0: Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. I can't believe it's November. I don't know what's happened to 2022, but zoom, zoom, it's like, like beep, beep. It's almost 2023. I don't know. I'm going to be saying this for every podcast between now and the new year. And in the new year, we're going to roll out a little bit of a new intro, same music. Don't worry. And this month, You've got to stay tuned because we're doing some special stuff to celebrate the podcast anniversary. The podcast was launched in November because, of course, we just launched things in the middle of like the busiest time of year because, of course, we do. That's the ADHD in me. It's like, we're going to do a podcast. Do it now. Why not? So we're going to be celebrating the podcast anniversary, and we're getting very close to 2 million total downloads on the podcast. Just by way of contrast, should we just share? How many, how many total views were at on the YouTube channel? Maybe I maybe, maybe just sure. I had to pull up our total views on the YouTube channel, but we're at over ninety five million views and over fifty five million total watch hours over on YouTube. It's just wild, but the YouTube numbers are different from podcast numbers. I love the podcast and podcast downloads. Just mean the absolute world. So, for all of you that listen on audio, thank you so much. For all of you that interact with me when we premiere these on video, thank you so much. This podcast is regularly at the top, if not number one, in entertainment news in multiple countries every single week. And I can't thank you enough for it. But today we are diving into a case we haven't chatted about on the podcast in quite a while. I've updated about it over on my YouTube channel during some live streams, but it's here. It's here it's the fuckery it's here. So we have to talk about Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes and Sonny Balwani and this witness that came to Elizabeth Holmes's house. Cause what even is that? There was a hearing in court. Oh, and by the way, she's pregnant with baby two. while she's pending sentencing to federal prison. So there's that too, that there's a lot going on. There's been a lot of motions and we're gonna talk about both cases. Both of them are pending sentencing this month in November, Um, though Sonny Pawani has filed a motion to try to delay it, which I haven't seen reported on yet. So we're going to cover that too. There is so much to cover today. I'm going through this witness, this six days of testimony witness that showed up at Elizabeth Holmes's house. What? Then the testimony that he gave in court. We have a declaration from him filed by the government. The court is asking for more briefing about this motion for new trial because this witness showed up at the house. If you want to look at ways to cause government attorneys to fucking panic, try being one of their witnesses that testifies for six days as a whistleblower and then after a conviction show up at the defendant's house and like... Hey, can we have a chitty, chitty chat chat? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The prosecutor's hearts must have stopped when they found out about this. So we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to talk about some of the other motions going on, what happened at that hearing based on reporting, and then what's going on with the Balwani motions and the motion to continue or postpone sentencing. Emily, that sounds like a lot. Yes. I'm going to try to get through it quickly, but it is a lot. We should roll the intro. I feel like I've already been talking too long. So let's just, let's just get into it. Hey there. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor and I'm a big fan of the Cursey Words. So let's break it down. I feel like spooky season is barely behind us and it's already time to start thinking about the holidays. And if you're thinking that this is the year to take care of the hair down there or just to add a little spice to your life or your shower, you need Manscaped. At my house, we love the Manscaped products, including their incredible smelling shower gel, but they just launched a new body buffer, which is a great little scrubber for all your bits and pieces. I can't wait to try it, not just on myself. So if you are looking for an incredible gift, give Manscaped a try. And if you don't know where to start, the performance package is perfect. It includes my beloved weed whacker for the hair up here and the lawnmower for the hair down there. You can get 20% off and support the Emily show with a sponsor that has always supported us. So get 20% off and free shipping with code lawnard at manscape.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code lawnard at manscaped.com. Get a gift you'll both enjoy the gift of manscaped. All right, let's get back to this week's episode. As I was prepping today's podcast episode, I was looking at the more current news stories, and there hasn't been a lot in the last few weeks um, since the hearing on October 17th with regard to this motion for new trial from Elizabeth Holmes that we're going to be talking about today. But what I did find is a whole bunch of people decided to dress up as Elizabeth Holmes for Halloween, which I thought was funny. A lot of them it was the iconic photo of her in the black holding the little vial, but a lot of people were using what looked like some kind of a Sudafed or something that is a red, like um, cough medicine or whatever, little capsule. I thought it was hilarious, but uh, she was definitely a popular Halloween costume. You have to let me know if you some people dress or if you dressed yourself as Elizabeth Holmes. For Halloween I remember at the beginning of her trial there were people outside the courthouse cosplaying as her and I was like huh that's interesting though I didn't see anyone who dressed as like Elizabeth Holmes but like post girl bossing too close to the sun um I didn't see any like you know melted wings or anything like that is that too deep of an analogy for a podcast I don't know maybe maybe it is but anyway, I didn't see the girl boss too close for the sun. It was all the kind of iconic all black with the vial of blood photo. But I was not expecting that when I was kind of trying to to finish up my prep for this episode. I also didn't intend to be recording like literally on Halloween. But here we are anyway, getting into this case with, look, we don't cover things that aren't a little wild here because that's what grabs our attention in the headlines. Things just in court. I guess there's really no quote unquote normal. There's always going to be something going on that's fascinating or interesting if we're even here talking about it or the parties involved are fascinating and interesting. But it's always so unpredictable. And this is a perfect example of WTF is this anyway? I never would have even guessed that that would happen. We talked about this on a live stream a while back. Like, How do you know what to tell your kids that they need to know? And there's a TikTok account that was, it's, and I, I hate this about TikTok. I forget 90% of TikTok creators' names because they just get into the thing that they do. It's like the the no dummy guy who has the great puns, dad jokes. And he's like, no, dummy. I don't remember his name on TikTok. I know Elise Myers, that's about it. But there's a guy who does um, the cardigans. I've been told his name. I think his last name is Rose, like a million times. I still forget. It's different than watching YouTubers. I know the names of the YouTubers I watch. I watch their content longer. With TikTokers, I know the type of content they create. And if they ever branch out from that content, I'm like, wait, who are you again? Um, I know the guy who does like, this is something I didn't know until I was in my 30s. And I'm always like, ah, come here, children, gather around the iPhone. Don't do this or do to this, or hey, this is how this works. Because how do you know what to tell them anyway? I don't know when you get to the, you've testified against someone in a trial, don't try to have a conversation with them after they're convicted. Or maybe wait until they're sentenced or something. But even if you wait till they're sentenced and have a conversation with them like this is reported, it could still cause problems. And, And just my suggestion to Dr. Rosendorf with you know, peace and love and all due respect and kindness. This is a conversation to be had in therapy and not with Elizabeth Holmes. You don't need her approval. You testified against her. She's probably going to go to prison. Um, You don't need her to forgive you. You need to forgive yourself. Therapy is a wonderful thing. I recommend it to everyone. It's so good therapy. And with that, let's get into how this all went down. I did a YouTube live on this covering this entire motion. I'm only going to cover kind of the story of what's happening. Elizabeth Holmes filed three motions for new trial. This is the one that a hearing was granted on. This is the one that additional briefing has been asked for on. So this is the one that we are covering, but to be completely thorough, there are two others. They are much more technical in nature and this one is the WTF one. So this is the one we cover because WTF, let's get into it. This is coming from her third motion for new trial filed on September 6th. 2022. So starting out at page 4 of this motion, it goes into Dr. Rosendorf's encounter at Miss Holmes's home. Now to be clear, Rosendorf did testify for 6 days. He had been the former lab director. He was a or is characterized as a key witness. I don't disagree with that characterization. He is one or a later whistleblower and if you watched any of the series about it, he is kind of alluded to in there. This is Dr. Rosendorf. So, not Doofenshmirtz, who wasn't really a witness in the the Depp heard trial. That was Dr. Spiegel. He just looked like Doofenshmirtz. No, this is Dr. Rosendorf. August 8th, 2022, at approximately 6.05 p.m., Dr. Rosendorf arrived at Miss Holmes's home. And this is the declaration of her partner, William B. Evans, um... Yeah, we'll we'll talk about her and her partner and the fact that it seems that she is pregnant with her second in a little bit. As Dr. Rosendorf approached her home, her partner, William Evans, noticed Rosendorf walking towards the front door and went to answer it. I want to know, is there a ring cam? Like, did you see them How, or did you just uh, is it windows? I have more questions, but that's irrelevant. It goes on to say that Evans did not immediately recognize Rosendorf, but did so after Rosendorf introduced himself. Rosendorf seemed to be in distress and his voice was trembling. His cell phone was open to his camera, although it did not appear he was recording. During this brief interaction outside the front door, Rosendorf repeatedly stated that he needed to talk to Ms. Holmes. Evans explained that Holmes could not talk to anyone and that Rosendorf needed to leave. Yeah, especially not a witness in the government's case against her to which she had already been convicted. Rosendorf attempted to leave the property but was driving the wrong way. Evans approached Rosendorf in his vehicle at the top of the driveway to redirect Rosendorf in the right direction. A second conversation occurred at the top of the driveway with Mr. Evans outside the car at the window and Rosendorf in the driver's seat. Dr. Rosendorf explained that he wanted to talk to Ms. Holmes because it would be, quote, healing for both himself and Elizabeth to talk, end quote. He stated that, quote, when he was called as a witness, he tried to answer the questions honestly, but that the prosecutors tried to make everyone look bad, end quote, and that the, quote, government made things sound worse than they were when he was up on the stand during his testimony, end quote. Dr. Rosendorf stated that, quote, Theranos was early in his and Ms. Holmes's career, and that everyone was just doing the best that they could, and everyone was working so hard to do something good and meaningful. He stated that he quote felt guilty and that he felt like he had done something wrong, apparently in connection with his testimony in the Holmes case. And he stated that these issues were weighing on him and that he was having trouble sleeping. Shortly before Rosendorf went to Holmes's home, he left a voicemail for Holmes's counsel, her lawyer, Lance Wade. Holmes received that voicemail, or Wade, pardon, received that voicemail at 7.51 p.m. Eastern time, 4.51 p.m. Pacific, and it lasted approximately 30 seconds. In the voicemail, Rosendorf identified himself and explained that he was calling because, quote, he wants to try to visit Elizabeth at her residence. He would like to see her again, and that he thought it would be quite healing for her and for him. Rosendorf asked if it was possible for Mr. Wade to arrange a visit between Rosendorf and Holmes at her residence, and the attorney did not respond directly given the ethical restrictions of communicating with represented parties, right? because The witness had a lawyer. Mm. The next day, Wade instead contacted the attorney who had appeared at Holmes's trial with Dr. Rosendorf. The attorney responded that there was no need for Mr. Wade to return the call. So, that is the circumstance wherein the prior lab director at Theranos, my opinion, seemed to go to Elizabeth Holm seeking some sort of absolution um, from her, some sort of closure, some sort of forgiveness. You testified against her in federal court. You need to seek forgiveness within not from Elizabeth Holmes. And it just, again, goes to the personality that we have heard Holmes described as having um, people having this unyielding loyalty to her, people being very drawn to her and kind of wanting to move mountains to, to help her in her mission, being very deeply persuaded by her personality, by her and kind of the power of her presence and her dream and her ability to pull people in. And so I think all of this tracks with that, with him still feeling like, we were young, mistakes were made, I testified against you. Can we all just kiki and put it behind us? No, you can't show up at her house and just have a chat. Therapy. But that seems like what he was seeking. That's what it seems to me from reading this communication, of course, this communication is from the perspective of Holmes's partner, who's probably having the most severe w t f moment in all of this. You testified for six days, sir, this is not a Wendy's. What are you doing on my doorstep? and the the audacity to just like roll up on her doorstep and expect her to what forgive you, hug you tell you it's going to be okay what was he expecting what what a freaking disaster this man has created by trying to seek some sort of closure because it would be healing for him you you need to stop putting that on someone else that's on you to heal that's yours you didn't have much of a choice but to testify. You had a choice not to become a whistleblower. But also, I wonder how much of Save One Owns Ass was involved in that, because there's often an element of that in federal prosecutions, um, often an element of Save One's Own Ass by telling the government everything you know immediately. I am not suggesting that that is what you should ever do. This is just an observation. The feds are, the feds are very convincing with that. That's why the win ratio is so high. So, this is the groundwork for that motion for new trial. And like with most motions, you get the motion for the thing, the opposition to the motion to the thing, the reply to the opposition to the motion to the thing, and then a thing happens. And in this case, motion, opposition, reply, hearing, and then further motions. Let's take a look at the government's reply only in so much as I want to take a look at this witnesses' affidavit. This is a sworn declaration from the witness, Adam Rosendorf, that says, I, Adam Rosendorf, um, declare pursuant to penal code section, not penal code section, Emily, not California, U.S. code section 1746. I was subpoenaed to testify at the trial of Elizabeth Holmes. I took the stand on September 24th, 2021 and testified for approximately two days of direct examination by the government, including redirect and approximately four days of cross-examination by the defense, including recross. I was also subpoenaed to testify at the trial of Sunny Balwani. I took the stand on April, 20, 2022 and testified for approximately one day of direct by the government, including redirect and approximately one and a half days of cross by the defense, including requa. Recro- recro- no. Not like LaCroix, not LaCroix, recross. During my testimony at Ms. Holmes's and Mr. Balwani's trials, I answered every question put to me completely, accurately, and truthfully to the best of my ability. Nothing I have learned since giving my testimony has changed my recollection of the events I witnessed during my time at Theranos. I stand by my testimony at Ms. Holmes and Mr. Balwani's trials in every respect the only instruction the government has given me in connection with this case is to tell the truth about the events I witnessed. Right, because that's exactly what prosecutors do. Tell the truth. Did you write these documents? Are these your things? And then I question. It goes on to say, I have no reason to believe that the government misrepresented or otherwise created a misimpersonation about Ms. Holmes and Mr. Bawani's conduct at Theranos. And this goes directly to the recitation that he said the government tries to make things look bad. Look, the court process is adversarial. There's a difference between misrepresenting things and framing things. The defense is gonna frame things one way, the prosecution's gonna frame it a different way. That is the adversarial process. So when he said the prosecution made things seem worse, the prosecution was like, is he accusing us of a misrepresentation through these motions? And that I think is why This language is very specific here. But yes, the prosecution does tend to take things and say, look, all of these things add up to crime. So, I mean, I guess when you say it that way, maybe it makes it look bad. Like, because if your perspective is, we were young, we all didn't know, isn't this what everybody does? Then maybe the government saying one plus two plus three plus four plus fraud equals crime. Maybe that's just why. goes on to say, after clarifying that the government did not misrepresent or create a misimpression because also ethical boundaries and constitution. Nevertheless, it goes on, I feel compassion for Ms. Holmes and Mr. Balwani, and even more so for the members of their families who were not responsible for their conduct, but will be affected by the punishment they may receive. And in a report from Law 360, they get into this more with regard to this witness taking the stand and giving testimony on October 17th, which originally was when Elizabeth Holmes was to be sentenced. That sentencing, of course, has now been put over till November 18th. Balwani's sentencing, again, is November 15th. Interesting that they don't have them on the same day. You think they would have just like, but no. And I wonder if that will make it more nerve-wracking for Elizabeth Holmes, knowing what Balwani gets sentenced to before she gets sentenced. So let's take a look at this report of the hearing from Law 360, titled, Holmes' witness stands by testimony but feels bad for son. A key government witness in the conviction of Ex Theranos CEO Elizabeth Holmes' criminal fraud trial took the stand during an evidentiary hearing into alleged government misconduct on Monday. That would have been October 17th. Testifying, he, quote, absolutely stands by his testimony but felt distressed and uncomfortable realizing Holmes's young child would spend his formative years without his imprisoned mother, which says a lot that this witness just expects her to, I mean, how long do you categorize formative years? It sounds like this witness expects her to be in prison for a a good bit of time. During the hearing in San Jose, District Judge Davila asked former Theranos lab director Adam Rosendorf whether he believes the government pressured him into testifying in a misleading or untruthful way during his six-day examination last year in Holmes's four-month-long trial. Holmes was convicted on four counts of investor fraud and conspiracy on January 3rd. To be fair, for a government white-collar crime prosecution, four counts where she was acquitted of some counts and some counts hung, four counts is not a, a massive amount of counts. I mean, some of these cases have not just dozens and dozens, but sometimes well well upwards of that of counts. So this is not the most staggering white-collar prosecution we've ever seen. Rosendorf said, quote, no, they did not. And he said he testified honestly and truthfully to the best of his recollection. However, during defense counsel's examination, Holmes's lawyer, uh, Lance Wade, probed Rosendorf on his mental health relationships with Holmes and what drove him to leave the defense attorney of voicemail and show up unannounced at Holmes's home in August. Yeah, I'd want to know that too. Sir, with all due respect, what in the hell were you thinking to drive up to somebody's home, their home, and be like, yo, can we chat? Like, what? So these are fair questions. At the time, Rosendorf didn't speak with Holmes. The article goes on, but outside her home, he allegedly told her partner, William Evans, that prosecutors tried to make everyone at Theranos look bad and made things sound worse than they were during the trial, and he wanted to help her, according to Holmes's motion seeking new trial that we just went over, in part. On Monday, Rosendorf explained that he tried to reach Holmes in the months following her conviction because he kept thinking about Theranos' bogus, Uh, Ebola finger stick blood test and as a father of a five-year-old child he worried about Holmes's one-year-old son who would likely grow up without a mother at home sir that is not your problem I mean that sounds really fucking harsh but that's that's not on you you told the truth about something that you witnessed that's not on you that's not on you and it goes on to say, it was my understanding that she might be pregnant again, Rosendorf said. I thought by talking to her, I could maybe forgive her, not for her, but for myself. So I could finally put this saga behind me, sir, therapy for you. Just doc, you don't need to talk to her to put this behind you. You can do that on your own. Um, it does seem she's pregnant again, based on all of the photos of her coming in and out of court with a pregnant uh. With, with a clearly pregnant belly. Um, it does seem she's pregnant with number two. She's being sentenced in a month. She knows this. She knows she was pending this trial when she had her first. She's made these choices. She knows these things. Rosendorf recalled that he told Evans that he felt sad for Holmes's child and expressed sympathy for the rank-and-file employees whose careers and lives have been significantly impacted by the scandal. Again, how involved were you that you are taking responsibility for this? This is not your responsibility. You were not the CEO or CFO, though I guess as the lab director, at some point, I mean, the reason he's testifying is because he knew that these things weren't working the way she was publicly saying that they were. It goes on to say, Rosendorf noted that he did not intend to include Holmes and her convicted co-conspirator, Balwani, who faced his own separate months-long jury trial, during which Rosendorf testified, in his statements. don't show up her house. Even so, Wade asked Rosendorf if he had taken medication and was hospitalized due to mental health issues, citing a September interview in which Rosendorf purportedly disclosed his mental health struggles in the weekly publication, The South African Jewish Report. Rosendorf repeatedly refused to answer Wade's questions, stating that the questions were inappropriate and that his health information is privileged under the Health Insurance Portability and, Accounting and Accountability Act, the actual HIPAA. IPA. Rosendorf Also, rebuffed the suggestion that he was having a mental health crisis when he tried to reach out to Holmes in August. My mental state was solid that day, he said. I think that it's fair for a defense attorney to extrapolate those questions from the reported statement I am losing sleep. I think it's fair to ask, Where is your head at if you're losing sleep over this federal trial? Which, again, is a fair thing to do. This is really stressful. You're waiting for me to say, but again, therapy. Yeah. Rosendorf also explained that he may have wanted to expand on his trial testimony and statements to, quote, add meat to bones, but, quote, that doesn't mean I'm changing my testimony or flip-flopping at all. So he's like, no, no, I want to tell the whole story. That's not how a trial works. You get to answer the questions you're asked by the attorney's. Quote, to the extent you've made me out to be a liar or inconsistent, my statements are the truth, Rosendorf told Wade. So it sounds like the defense attorney went in hot on these questions, and of course he did. He's fighting for a new trial for his client. Rosendorf also emphasized that he doesn't remember telling Evans that he wanted to help Holmes, and he believes only Holmes can help herself. Yep. Like I've said during my coverage of the Daryl Brooks trial, sometimes salvation is your only answer, and it. More so in the Brooks case than in this case, but when it says only Holmes can help herself, I think that that's probably true. It goes on to quote him as saying, I don't want to help Miss Holmes, he said. She's not someone who can be helped. At this point, she needs to pay her debt to society. When asked about his comments regarding people making money off the Theranos scandal, Rosendorf said, many people have made a lot of money from this scandal. Okay. Let's start with Hulu and the dropout, and all the investigative reportings, and the books, and the fascination, and the podcast today that's sponsored. I mean, yes, people have made money reporting on this scandal. But um, I imagine Elizabeth Holmes also made quite a bit of money when she was there at Theranos flying around on her private jet. I'm just saying. I don't know how much Holmes made. He said, I certainly haven't made a penny off it. No, you made the money when the original thing was happening, not after it all fell apart. Others made money after it all fell apart. You made money while it was ongoing because you worked there. Rosendorf additionally acknowledged that his brother and attorney helped him write his sworn declaration that prosecutors submitted in oppositions to Holmes's new trial motion and said that although he has no idea if prosecutors reviewed his drafts, he stands by his trial testimony. Under examination by the federal prosecutor, Rosendorf acknowledged that he always has been represented by his own counsel, but that he decided to meet with federal agents as a whistleblower, quote, to fully cooperate with the United States government in the interest of justice. I wonder how much that interest was also in saving his own ass, but that is, again, a valid motivation, um, though that would have come out during, well, maybe not during testimony, if he was never prosecuted, if they were never looking to prosecute him, because ultimately his defense would have been uh, they're my bosses. And I was just falling in line with what they were doing. And there's enough evidence that they this was a head-down problem. This was like a rogue lab director problem. So the AUSA asked, do you still stand by your testimony? Rosendorf, the witness, added, absolutely, I do. Rosendorf added that he also stands by his sworn declaration. And he again said there was nothing presented in the government's case that he believes was misleading. Each side has until October 24th to file briefs on the evidentiary hearing, and the judges indicated he'll rule on the new trial motion sort- shortly after receiving the briefs, which is why I went to look for them today. It's October 31st as I'm recording this, and that is not here yet. I imagine that this ruling will be soon. I imagine that this will be denying a motion for new trial. It doesn't mean this issue won't go up on appeal, but I imagine her sentencing will go forward. On November 17th, when it is scheduled, uh, it's already been delayed a month. So the judge delayed it enough to hear this, but didn't delay it more. And I think that's, well, I think that can be taken as an indication, but we'll see. The article goes on to say that earlier this month, the judge vacated Holmes's sentencing date, which had been set for Monday, and scheduled an evidentiary hearing instead into limited but serious questions of whether federal prosecutors engaged in witness misconduct that may have influenced Rosendorf's testimony in light of the alleged comments made to Evans. I think that was absolutely the only option this judge had was to have a hearing on it. It's like in the Maxwell case when that juror gave um, gave an interview and said things that weren't in their juror questionnaire. I thought that was a more egregious case than this one. And even then, the new trial motion was denied. So, I don't think this motion will be granted. But it didn't stop Balwani from making a motion on the same grounds. The article goes on to say last week, uh, Judge Davila Davila, rescheduled Holmes' sentencing for November 18th and denied a new trial bid by Balwani, who is currently scheduled to be sentenced November 15th, as well as Balwani's request to join in the evidentiary hearing that was also denied. That same day, Rosendorf asked the judge to quash Elizabeth Holmes's October 6th demand for his non-privileged communications, and that subpoena was quashed, squashed, and done with. Balwani also made a motion for a new trial regarding this witness that was denied prior to this evidentiary hearing. Um, but Balwani's been making other motions. Let's finish up talking about Holmes, and then we will talk about her co-conspirator, Sonny Balwani. Just going real quick to the New York Times, This is an article from October 17th with regard to that hearing that we were just talking about. And they have a few photos of Holmes arriving uh, with her father and her partner. And some of these photos, uh, to me, it seems very apparent that she is pregnant with her second. It is discussed in this article. I don't know if she will confirm that at all, but um, I imagine it will come up during sentencing next month, or if we see a motion to delay sentencing, seeking um, seeking to delay it due to the fact that she is pregnant. But we have not seen that done yet. We have not seen those questions raised. It might come up at sentencing. It might not. It will probably come up at sentencing. Um, or if she's sentenced to a custody sentence that they will ask that she serve that on home confinement or that she doesn't serve that until after she gives birth. I mean, there will be a lot of requests here, so we will see what happens. But at some point, I imagine that this will be addressed in court. Let's now talk about Sunny Balwani's journey post-conviction. But first, a quick word from today's sponsor well, it is the season to be way too busy. I know the fall just blends right into the winter and it feels like you don't have enough time. Am I projecting? Perhaps, but it's one of the things that I love about today's sponsor, Green Chef. I've been talking about them for months. They've been such a great sponsor to the show, but not only that, they have provided great meals every single time for our family. We have not had a meal that we wouldn't order again. And we've got some picky eaters up at this house. And today we have a new offer for you from Green Chef that I'm so excited about. Green Chef is a certified meal kit company that provides organic meals, fresh ingredients, and will fit a variety of dietary or lifestyle choices, including just balanced meals or gluten free or vegetarian or vegan or keto or paleo. They will work to you and you can mix and match those meals within one box. And it delivers right to your door. And the meals are done in like 30 minutes. And they have really easy to follow recipe cards. And did I mention they're delicious? And you can choose from like 30 different recipes a week and skip a week if you need to. But right now, Green Chef is offering you an incredible deal for being a listener of the Emily Show podcast. You will get $5.99 Five ninety nine dollars per meal on your first box and free shipping on your first box. If you've been wanting to try out Green Chef, now's the time. Go to slash Emily Baker 599. Use code Emily Baker 599 and get five ninety nine dollars per meal on your first box and your first box ships free. Try it out for yourself and find out why Green Chef is the number one meal kit. For eating well. Now let's get back to today's episode. So Balwani is scheduled to be sentenced on November 15th and has just filed a motion to continue or postpone that sentencing. Some things have been filed under seal. So there are things in this that are redacted, which is interesting to me. I'm wondering, and this is a first look for us as we go through it for the podcast, I'm wondering if that could be medical in nature, but we'll see as we go through this motion together. It is only 14 pages. We're not going to go through every single page, but we do need to take a look. It starts with, for the reasons discussed below, Balwani moves for a continuance of his sentencing date, which is currently scheduled for November 15th, 2022 to January 23rd, 2023 at 10 a.m., This is not an extensive continuation. This is not an unreasonable continuation. I mean, Holmes's has been continued a month. He was convicted after she was. She was convicted um, months prior. So it's not a ridiculous request. It's not like, we would like to put it over for eight months. This is just a few months. Um, There is quite a lot of redaction. And then it says, moreover, after reviewing the draft, PSR, which is the pre-sentencing report, and analyzing the factual and legal issues in this complex case, defense counsel requires additional time beyond November 15th to prepare for sentencing. There are complex factual issues that require careful review of a lengthy record and legal issues, including the proper loss calculation. The loss calculation is how much money was actually lost by this fraud. It says, in addition, members of Bawani's family, including his brother, niece, and nephew, who often attend trial and reside in Ohio, plan to attend the sentencing to lend emotional support. The family members cannot travel to California in December 2022 due to school examinations in the event the court grants this motion to continue the current November 15 sentencing date. So they're saying, look, a month is not sufficient because of scheduling. That's why we need January. It's not uncommon that people want to spend the holidays with families pending sentencing. That's not uncommon at all. It says, for all those reasons, Balwani respectfully requests a continuance of sentencing from November 15th to January 23rd. Defense counsel met and conferred with the government and disclosed the basis for the requested continuance. The government declined to stipulate to the requested continuance, meaning they are disinclined to acquiesce to your request and are moving forward. It then goes through the factual background, including a lot of things that are redacted and stating again that they need more time. They cite the legal causes um, for that, attach the proposed order, and then attach uh, stipulations from the attorneys and things that are filed under seal. What I'm very interested to see is the government's opposition, because again, we have motion, opposition, reply. And if you are interested, we will go through the Holmes additional briefing over on YouTube uh, in another video, though I could put that up as a bonus here on audio. You let me know what you think um, in the comments or on social. Here is the government's opposition to the motion that we just went over briefly, also redacted for the public. It starts with the argument, the government respectfully requests that the court deny or, at a minimum, defer Defendant Balwani's motion to continue sentencing. There is significant public interest in having the defendant sentenced promptly and having him sentenced near the time of the sentencing of his co defendant, Elizabeth Holmes. This case has been pending for over four years since June of 2018, and it involves fraudulent conduct between 2010 and 2015. That first came to light in October 2015. More than 10 months have passed since the jury returned its guilty verdicts against Holmes. More than seven have passed since the defendant's trial began, culminating in guilty verdicts on all counts on July 7th, 2022. The sentencing here involved overlapping issues and charges. But for Holmes's abuse allegations, the defendant's denial of them, they would have been sentenced or they would have likely been sentenced together. The probation office has circulated draft pre-sentence investigation, investigation reports in both cases and received comments and objections from all parties. For those reasons, the sentencing should not be moved lightly. Defendant's three arguments to continue sentencing do not constitute good cause. First, it's premature to conclude, redacted, redacted, redacted. second, the defendant's vague references to the need for further preparation are not supported. As an initial matter, the supporting declaration for the motion conspicuously omits any factual averments to an alleged need to prepare. It says more fundamentally, the, defense's lead attorney, the defendant's lead attorney has represented him since at least 2016 through at least three separate civil lawsuits, the SEC investigation, the SEC enforcement action, and the four-plus-month Holmes trial and the defendant's own four-month trial. There can be no doubt about his preparation, as well as that of his team of lawyers from law firm in New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Seattle offices, not a small law firm. The legal issues involved in sentencing include those related to the loss calculation are no more complex than those raised in the Holmes sentencing, which is scheduled to proceed on November 18th. In sum, the defendant's half-hearted suggestion, unsupported by any factual averments, about his counsel's preparation should not be afforded any weight. It's kind of delicious shade from the government in the, you have represented this defendant since 2016 through all of this shit. You know this case better than literally anyone except maybe the defendant who lived it. So, no. It says, finally, the defendant notes that one of his two brothers, that brother's spouse, and their two children have conflicts for the entirety of December 2022. Me too. I have conflicts for all of December. I would like to be excluded. I want to be cozy on my couch in December. The whole month. Drinking hot chocolate. Maybe with a little Bailey's Irish cream in it. Yum. Okay, sorry. Me, drifting away to crackling fireplaces for a cozy, snuggly winter. But that's not what's happening here. They The... Two children have conflicts for the entirety of December 2022. To be clear, the defendant's extended family appears to have no scheduling issues with the November 15th, 2022 sentencing date. Your Honor, we have a solution. Just keep it as is. Um, which is a reason to keep the sentencing date, not to move it. Moreover, it's unclear why high school and college tests for the defendant's niece and nephews necessitate their total absence in late November and all of December, let alone the absence of his brother and sister-in-law. It is also unclear why the needs of this criminal proceeding, including the victims and the defendant's conduct uh, the victims of the defendant's conduct and all of its other participants should be subsidiary to the decisions of extended family members who are not able to be physically present for one court appearance throughout an entire month. I read that poorly, but the shade is also strong. The government's like, um, why though? But why though? And I'm not, I am. I am not surprised. But why though? But why though? They go on to say, based in part on the draft pre-sentence investigation report, the defendant appears to have ample family support from his four other siblings and others, and any absent family members are presumably available before and after the sentencing to extend their support. In light of many competing interests involved, a sentencing involving crimes of this significance should not be pushed back. I mean, I get where the government's coming from, but of course, we're going to go to the reply. This might be one of those things where the defense attorneys said sir. The government's not going to agree but we can always ask. You don't if you don't ask you don't get. That's first of all. If you don't ask you just don't get. I have learned this from numerous people in my life but none more brilliantly, none more brilliantly than my friend Allison Bird. Allison's over at Instagram at i am allison bird. Uh, B-Y-R-D. She and I were out to dinner with our friends, um, Warren and Roberto, and they didn't have an item on the menu. And that is really what she was ready for. And she looked at the waiter and was like, you know, it would just, I have to ask, but it would just be a delight to have this, this evening for dinner. And he was like, well, we can absolutely handle that. We we can do this and we can do this and we can take care of it. And she goes, that would just, that would be delightful. That would make my night. We asked about something else too. And the waiter's like, yeah, we'll get it taken care of. I was at another dinner. All of these stories revolve around food with my friends. But I was at another um, dinner at a conference with my friend NJ. And we were at a restaurant where they did not have chocolate cake. And she looked at the waiter and was like, sir, it has been a very, very long day is there any way we can order the chocolate cake from the other restaurant elsewhere in this resort? And he was like, absolutely we can. We absolutely can make sure that y'all have chocolate cake tonight. And we were like, thank you. That's delightful. Um, You never know. If you just ask, can this be done? If it can't be done, you know what they're gonna say? I'm just so sorry we can't accommodate that. Great. Thanks for letting me know. Figured I would ask. Because if you don't ask, you don't get This might very well be Sonny Balwani saying, look, man, I would really like to not be sentenced until after the holidays. Can we just ask? Okay, let's ask the government. The government's like, no. What I'd like to do is be done with this case before the holidays. When we're done with 2022, I want to be done with this case. This case has been in boxes in my office for four years plus. This is conduct going back to be predating 2010. I want to be done. I want to be done. I want the name Theranos out of my mouth. I want to close this chapter of my life. And I want these boxes out of my office. So what I'd like to do is sentence these defendants before the holidays. I would like to sit down and, and just not have this still on my plate with all of my other prosecutions thank you. I want it to be done. So they asked the prosecution, the prosecution said what we're not going to do. And now we get their reply. So let's take a look at that. that. Was that way too much? It might've been a little extra for the podcast. You know, sometimes we get sassy. Introduction. Mr. Balwani has shown good cause to continue his sentencing hearing to January 23, 2023. The government gives short shrift to the effects of redacted and the need to adequately prepare redacted for the most important day of Mr. Balwani's life. I mean, that's fair, but also there's a lot of victims here who didn't get to prepare for what happened. It happened. The government faces no prejudice from the requested continuance. They do. They really don't want to carry this into the new year with them. That is purely my speculation. It's educated speculation, but it's speculation nonetheless. It said, the government faces no prejudice from the requested continuance, which would lead to a sentencing date for Mr. Bowani closer in time to his jury's verdict than Ms. Holmes' sentencing will be to her own. Your Honor, she got more time? Why can't I? Well, y'all wanted these trials bifurcated. So here you go. Someone had to go first. First, it says, The court should give no weight to the government's cold indifference to a bunch of redacted stuff. Courts consider sentences engaging in the holistic analysis demanded by the U.S. Code weighing the factors of a defendant's life and circumstances surrounding the conduct found by the jury. In confronting that assessment, Balwani has the right to face the court redacted. I wonder, I just wonder, because the court mentioned the sentencings are being separated because of Holmes's abuse allegations. I wonder if any of this has to do with that. Again, speculative. But that came out in the trial, so why redact it in this sentencing memo? That's my curiosity. Second, the government identifies no prejudice it would face from a continuance. To start, the parties have lodged their objections to the draft um, pre-sentencing report and that the probation's office analysis nears completion merely cements that neither parties nor probation will incur any disadvantage or difficulty from a modest delay in sentencing. It goes through the case's history and timing. And it says, third, the government's insensitive response to the scheduling, they did not like the shade. Nope, not at all, not at all. The government's insensitive response to the scheduling conflicts facing Mr. Balwani's family lacks merit and sensitivity. The potential loss of liberty that sensing entails is among the weightiest issues that the court addresses. The stakes are even higher for a defendant confronting such a proceeding. Mr. Balwani should have the real-time and support of his family that justice demands. The physical presence of supported family also highlights for the court the truth about who Mr. Balwani is, which Congress has mandated the court to consider when passing sentence. C 18 U.S.C. Uh, 3553A1, requiring the courts to consider the history and circumstances of the defendant, including their family support. Um, so they again say, in conclusion, please delay this sentencing I don't know if the court's going to delay this sentencing because again, they didn't say that the family members were unavailable. They said that the defense needs a bit more time and that December doesn't work because in December families unavailable. The court might still very well hold this sentencing in November. It'll be interesting to see. But these are all of the things that happen after a conviction. The cases don't end after a conviction. After an acquittal, you're done. After a criminal acquittal, done 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 no appeal no sentence no just no nothing maybe a civil lawsuit depending on the circumstances of the case um but the the proceeding in the criminal court is done after a conviction on we go on and on and on and that's where we're at because then there will be sentencing then there will be appeals that's what's going to happen in this case I will be very interested to see sentencing. I will be very interested to see what the government recommends. And we will be doing another podcast when those sentencing uh, memos are in, because I very much want to see the sentencing recommendations. And if the sentencings are available by Zoom, I will be attending. I doubt they will be. They've heard hearings by Zoom. I doubt they'll have the sentencing by Zoom. But if for any reason they do, I will absolutely try to attend. Wait, no, wait, we're busy. Hold on. We're booked and busy on November 15th. Sorry, Sonny Belwani, you're going to have to wait. The 15th and 16th are the scheduling dates for the Brooks trial that were just set. I knew November got busy. So lots of sentencing happening um, in the middle of November. I don't think this will get put over, but we will see. I don't know what the redacted items are. Maybe we'll learn when the sentencing happens. If there's something that's discussed heavily, maybe we won't. We should see sentencing memorandums soon and I will cover it then. I wonder how much the government is asking for, truly how much time the government is asking for in this case. And with that, it is time to say goodbye. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a law nerd. We still don't have more peanut butter where I live, but I'm gonna be looking for it. So many of you gave me feedback about peanut butter in your area. It was fascinating, and I appreciate you. Tonight, I'm probably going to... Well, it's late, but we might go see what goodies the kids brought home from Halloween. I hadn't had a chance to peek yet. Let me know in the comments what your favorite Halloween candy is. Um, you know, I love, I love a candy corn. I'm one of those that loves candy corn. I do. I will take no... I accept zero candy corn slander. For our international audience, this comes up every year. You're like, what in the world is candy corn? I... Always share pictures on my socials. I will try to remember to do that. They're divisive. Love them or hate them. That's it with candy corn. There's there's no middle ground. Nobody's like, meh. People are either like, yes, or disgusting what's wrong with you. So that's the feeling on candy corn. Me, I'm a yeah person. Yeah, we love it. I don't like other candy corn flavored stuff. I like candy corn. Um, but let me know your favorite Halloween candy. 100 grams also are pretty strong at this house. Not baby Ruth, one of our neighbors, uh, delightful and generous of you, was giving out like full size baby Ruth. My kids are like, do people still eat baby Ruth? I'm like, actually, surprisingly, they're another thing people love or don't. With that, I'm going to stop talking about candy and uh, and go find some of my own. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will keep you posted on all the sentencings. November is going to be a month of sentencings. We've got a lot coming up. And I'm going to keep you posted on all of it here on the podcast and over on YouTube. Keep an eye out for some bonus episodes this month as we celebrate our anniversary of the podcast that launched in 2019. I can't even believe it's been that long. What is life? I am so blessed to do this, but we will be talking more about that in the weeks to come. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being a law Cheers. Say it with me. May your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful and your peanut butter. May your, may your Thanksgiving dinners not cost a fortune due to the fact that there's a turkey shortage due to avian flu. Like I can't even, I can't even, I can't even. I lost myself somewhere in the middle of that. Yeah, may your families be well and may the odds be ever in your favor. I will see you in the next one.